morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prado. Today I'm looking at the last words of a dying man. Now, if you collapsed and were unresponsive, but woke up only long enough to get two words out of your mouth to the ambulance driver, what would they be? In December 2019, Pastor Tom Askell was ministering to his congregation when he suddenly collapsed. He lay unresponsive on the floor. Some people were crying, most were praying, one was singing. Askell was still unresponsive when he, they laid him in the ambulance. However, he was coming too, and he heard the ambulance uh, personnel next to him swearing and cursing a lot. The uh, Toms could still not move. And the EMT tried to get Tom's wallet out and struggled and swore some more. And Askell looked at the man and whispered, fear God. The man had to lean close to Tom's lips to hear him repeat it. But again, Askell said, fear God. John MacArthur wrote, famous last words can be tragic or inspiring. Not everyone has the opportunity to choose their last words carefully, but for those who see death coming, what message of wisdom or love or confession or summation do they deliver with their final breaths? Now, Tom Askell eventually recovered. He's fine now. But it brought to mind the following. If you or I were in a medical situation bad enough to think you were dying and you could barely whisper two words to a sinner, what would they be? Askell, who is a seasoned pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, and president of the Solid Ministry, Founders Ministries, didn't choose to tell the man, Jesus loves you. He didn't choose to say, repent and believe. He encapsulated all the Bible, all the gospel, all that there is from the beginning of wisdom to the end of our days, fear God. Now, ever since that December, when Jared Longshore, Askell's associate minister at GBC and podcast partner at Founders, related that story, I've been thinking about the fear of God. What is it? Do believers fear God? What does it mean to fear God? Well, fearing God is the beginning, middle, and end of it all. It encapsulates everything about the gospel, everything about the Bible, and the start of all we need to know about God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Our understanding of God, as far as he has revealed himself in his word, needs to be balanced. 
Now, the love we receive from God gets all the attention these days. But fearing God has been left in the dust, forgotten. But both are important. Albert N. Martin wrote the book, The Forgotten Fear, Where Have All the God-Fearers Gone? And he addresses what a godly fear is and why Christians should have healthy doses of it. His book blurb states, and I quote, the fear of God is an important theme of the Bible, yet many Christians today overlook it or treat it carelessly. Fearing God is the soul of godliness, and those who claim to love God should desire what it means to fear him. The Forgotten Fear revisits this important topic. Author Al Martin first establishes the theme of the fear of God in both the Old and New Testaments. Then he defines what fearing God means. And finally, he addresses the practical implications of fearing God, showing its expression in the lives of Abraham and Joseph and providing instruction for believers today to maintain their fear of God and even increase it. Now, godly fear and love of God are not in opposition to one another. When we're saved, we move from a terrified of judgment fear of God to a holy love in fear and trembling of God. I can still hear the objections now. But we're children of God. We don't need to fear him. Doesn't 1 John 4.18 say there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear? Well, yes, but all people on earth fear God. As an unbeliever, fearing God does involve punishment. It's why Adam and Eve ran from God after they'd sinned. And hid from him. Unbelievers, you know, unforgiven sinners like Adam at that point, hide due to terror of judgment. Now, the people in Revelation 6, 16 to 17, are terrified of God. And the verse says, quote, And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the sight of him who sits on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? End quote of the verse. Now, believers fear God too, but not fearing punishment per se. As Martin wrote in The Forgotten Fear, quote, there are two basic aspects of the fear of God. There is dread and there is awe. The first aspect of fear drives us from the object of dread. The other aspect drives us to the object of awe. Our Lord's teaching makes it very clear that both aspects are included in a healthy fear of God, including this element of dread. Once you end quote of Albert Martin, now once you see fearing God in both the Old Testament and the New, and how frequently it's mentioned, you see how important it is and how often 
It's taught that we should fear God. It's the forgiveness of sins that's the linchpin, whereupon we pivot from having a fear of God where we run away to having a fear of God where we run to him. Fearing God is the thread of belief for Christians from the start of their walk. When the Lord instructed his disciples upon commissioning him, he said, not to fear man, but fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's Matthew 10, 18. The church in its earliest days continued in the fear of the Lord, and this was applauded, Acts 9, 31. The fear of the Lord is the basis on which we persuade people, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. It's the undergirding of why we render service to God. Colossians 3.22 Why does Philippians 2.12 say, work out our salvation in fear and trembling, and does not say instead, <clears throat> excuse me, work out our salvation in love? Because of the difference between dreading God in judgment and loving God for his forgiveness. The biggest difference between all man-made religions and the Christian faith of Jesus Christ, Al Martin says, is that man-made religion seeks to produce the fear of God on some basis other than forgiveness. Or it promises forgiveness in a way that does not produce the fear of God, Martin wrote. In the Old Testament, we read a lot about the fear of God and it expresses itself in three ways. Fearing God was an expression of corporate Israelite religion. It's an expression of personal piety. You know, I fear God. And it's an identification of a religious person, a worshiper of Yahweh. Joseph, as a matter of fact, identifies himself as a God-fearer when he is re reunited with his brothers. Genesis 42.18, and that last little bit was from the Lexham Bible Dictionary. But fearing God is not restricted to the Old Testament. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines it, a holy fear is enjoined also in the New Testament as a preventative of carelessness in religion and as an incentive to penitence. And what believer can be against carelessness or against penitence? It's not the fear. Is it not the fear of our holy God whose ways are so far above our ways and whose thoughts are not our thoughts? Isaiah 55, 8. Is it not humbling and appropriate? Well, Matthew Henry wrote of Proverbs 9, 10. The heart must be principled with the fear of God. That is the beginning of wisdom. A reverence of God's majesty and a dread of his wrath are that fear of him which is the beginning, the first step towards true religion, whence all other instances of it take rise. Yes, he is our father, our friend, our brother, 
and we love him. But we must also fear God as an integral part of our loving worship. It's so important. And it gives some insight, perhaps, as to why Askell expended what could have been his last breaths on those two crucial words. Well, the, in the show notes, there'll be some further resources on fearing God. Thank you for listening, and I hope you all have a marvelous day. Mm-hmm.